Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What he's trying to say is, Guys, you have history. You've been there before. Don't you have faith in me? Take a look at what you have. I'll do it for you. Is God in your formula? I mean, look at the history you have with him. Over and over and over again, God's ministered to you and he's ministered to me. In my current problem, is God part of the solution? Or am I still looking to me to solve it? I find in my own life very often I'm just looking to me. How often we look to ourselves for solutions to our problems. And yet, as Christians, we all have a history with God. We have seen Him come through for us time and time again. In today's message, we learn that we are all tempted to depend on ourselves far too much. Pastor Mark challenges us to remember what we've seen God do in our lives. Why don't we turn to Him more readily? Why do we have this seemingly endless drive to solve our own problems in our own strength rather than to look to God? Like Israel, too often we ignore God's past work in our lives and depend on ourselves. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Crossing New Borders. The children's bread was the benefits that the Jews got because of Jesus' ministry to them. And the dogs was not this mongrel kind of, there's lots of words for dogs, but this was a, a house pet, not a wild dog. So it represented the Gentiles. What was Jesus saying? Jesus says to the Gentile woman, my main purpose was to bring teaching and feeding to my people, the children at the table, the Jews. You see, he says, I came so they could learn about me. I came as a Jew, Jesus said. I I came from my people so they could learn about me and then eventually take this good message, this good news to you as Gentiles. Now, once in a while, I'll do this, but my main reason was to come to the Jews. And the 12 disciples were Jewish. Jesus says, right now, my focus is on the Jews. And I know that God has promised me to come And the Jews know that I've come as the Messiah, their Messiah. Do you know the Gentile people didn't understand that? Gentile people didn't have any Messiah coming. They didn't even know what that meant. And so he says, I can't have you at the table right now. Because my main focus in this parable is on the Jews, the children that are on the table. Well, look at this unbelievable, magnificent response this lady makes. She says in verse 27, yes, Lord. But even the dogs or the puppies, that's the word it means, our pets, eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This is amazing. 
Now, if you're a Christian, you gotta have, you gotta love pets. You gotta have pets. I mean, you just you know. If, I mean, if one of your pets a cat, that's something else. But if if you like dogs, that's just <laughs> okay. So. You know, we have a little Shih Tzu mix, a little bit of poodle in there. And by the way, how many of you can understand this parable? Your pet, when you're eating, where are they? Are they in the other room? No, 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 no. They're right by the table. Our little Shih Tzu has come up with this weird thing. And I was sitting the other day, and here she is sitting at this. I'm just waiting. And I hear this. And I said, man, a dog's got sinus. I have to get some medication for or something. And she says, that's not sinus. She's letting you know she's there. (laughs) I don't know where she picked it up, but she snorts so that I'll see that she's there. Now, how many of you, you drop a little crumb to the dog because you love him. What's this woman say? Isn't this amazing? She says, I understand you came for your children. But even in the real world, a good person drops some good crumbs for the dog. And she says, All I need is a crumb of your power, and it'll heal my daughter. She understood the power of God. Do we? You know, we're sitting at the table today, being fed, and some of us don't get it. God is all-powerful. And she said, "I I just need a crumb. Just a little bit of your time and your power. And my daughter will be totally cured. Do we really believe that nothing's impossible with God? Look how Jesus answered verse 28. I love it. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, why did Jesus say to this woman, this Canaanite woman, this Gentile woman, you have great faith, and yet a few weeks before, they're in a storm, Jesus walks by, Peter gets out, and he's walking on the water, and all of a sudden, he looks around, and he goes, remember, Jesus had to grab his hand and put him in the boat, and as he's putting him back in the boat, what does he say to Pete? Pete, oh, you of little faith, great faith? Little faith. Now, wouldn't you think the disciples who are followers of Jesus would have the great faith? And the Canaanite woman who never met him before, doesn't even know him, would have little faith. The reason he used those terms is because the disciples should have had great faith. They'd been walking with him. They'd seen it over and over again. This woman really has no history with God. And she became, listen, as a little child. And she just said, I need a crumb, and my daughter will be well. The Bible says, unless you and I become as little children, we'll never enter the kingdom of God. See, children just have faith. They don't allow all the circumstance to cloud the issue. They simply just have faith. Here's what I want you to write today. God honors faith that is persistent, active, and yet humble. Persistent, active, and yet humble. Turn with me quickly, if you will, to Matthew 7. It's just a few chapters back. As you go there, let me share with you. These are three commands that Jesus gives every Christian. If you're a Christian in Matthew 7, these are three commands. They're not suggestions. Matthew 7, verse 7. Jesus said it like this. Ask, 
and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. See, ask, seek, and knock are simply a metaphor for praying. These commands were really, in the original language, it doesn't read like that. Here's how it reads in the original language. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. That's what the woman did. Even when there was a seeming silence... Even when it seemed like it was almost a no, she kept seeking and asking and knocking. Now, notice in verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. See, God's going to test our faith. He will always answer in his time. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk asks all these questions, he gets no answer. Maybe that's you today. You've been asking God and there's been no response. Well, he will answer. He'll either say yes or no, or wait. And sometimes the wait, or the yes or the no, there's just a silence. We don't have anything. Develop your relationship with God. When he does answer, it will always be 100% right for you. Even though you and I may not want it. So this woman does exactly what James says to do. Faith without works is dead. If our faith does not lead us to act, then we're simply fooling ourselves. She has a faith which resulted in action. She kept coming to Jesus. Real faith leads us to action. Did you notice that distance was not a prayer? This daughter wasn't in their vicinity She was far away. But the moment that Jesus said, your great faith has healed her, she was totally delivered from a demon. That's why intercessory prayer, in other words, praying for others, should be a part of our quiet time. There are many of you, in fact, every one of you, that have loved ones or friends that are far away, either in spirit or far away from God. They're in other states, they're in other parts of the world. We just need to keep coming to God, keep bringing before the Lord, keep asking God. Last week, an individual got saved in the 80s and 90s, got saved. You say, well, how can that be? Well, people kept praying. Nothing looked like it was happening. Some of you have prodigal sons and daughters, you have teenagers, you have kids that are gone off on the other end and head off in another direction. Some of you think your marriage is over. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Faith has to be tested to be trusted. Now scoot back to where we were, Matthew 15, verse 29. Let's see what you've learned this morning. Watch this. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee Then he went up on a mountain and sat down. Who directed Jesus to go there? God did. When did he do it? Well, he did it when Jesus had one of these. Is that right? No, that is not right. He did it during a quiet time, or he did it as Jesus was walking. Now, why did he do it? What are you going to see? Everything about the world and the end of the world is focused on this little city down here right next to the Dead Sea called Jerusalem. Do I have a time for it? Absolutely not. I would never be stupid enough to do that. But I'm going to show you how the things will come together. So when you see this, Jesus leaves Tyre. That's where he was. See, way up there. And he goes to this east side of Israel, past the Sea of Galilee. And all these cities that you see in red, that's the Decapolis. That's Gentile territory, basically. Almost all Gentile. So he goes there. 
And he goes there because God directs him there. Normally he's not going there. He's only been there one other time. He goes there because God's going to use him. Now notice what happens when he gets there. Take a look at uh, verse uh, 30. He's in Gentile territory again, going outside the box. It says, when he arrived, great verse 30, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet. And he healed them. Now let me ask you a question. Why would Jesus attract great crowds of Gentiles? How did they know about Jesus? Let me give you an example. Let's go over to the country of Iraq today. Muslim. If Jesus would have walked into the area of Iraq, they're all Muslim, would you anticipate today if he was here that millions of people would surround him and were ready to be healed? Well, no. They don't even know about Jesus. It's pagan territory. Well, that's where Jesus is. When he walks into this area, in one of these areas of the ten cities of Decapolis, masses of people come, and he heals them all. How in the world did they find out about Jesus? I mean, they have banners, there's no CNN news, there's no, how did they find out? Oh, this is exciting. Here's how. Do you remember back, back in Matthew, one day Jesus went to the other side of Israel, And when he got out of the boat, it was Gentile territory. When he got out of the boat, he met two men that were demon-possessed. Do you remember? And they had come from the tombs. And they were wild. No man could control them. They just went crazy and whatever. And and he came over there, and he cast the demons out of those men. Do you remember? And where did he cast those demons into? He put them into pigs. And as he put them into those pigs, what happened to the pigs? They went into the ocean. Well, at the end of that story... One of the young men, as Jesus is climbing back in the boat, one of the young men runs to Jesus. As he gets there, this young man, I'll read it to you, Mark 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. And he said to the young man, no, you go home to your family, your pagan family, and you tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis. He went and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were what? Amazed. When Jesus entered there months later, why did these people come? The testimony from one changed man. Do you understand how incredible that is? This is the way it's supposed to work. One man in pagan territory went and began to share what Jesus Christ had done for him. Later, when the word gets out that this Jesus is here in their territory, why are our churches not jammed? Because we're not sharing. Say, well, Pastor Mark, I need a Bible degree, and I need this, and I need that, and the other. When this young man was healed and delivered... How much Bible did he know? He's pagan. If Jesus said, turn to the book of Habakkuk, what would he think he said? Habba what? (laughs) Did he know that Jesus was the Messiah? Did he understand the Jewish nation? No, all he knew was, I once was filled with a demon, but this man from God delivered me. That's all he knew. But that changed the Decapolis. Be careful. To use an excuse that you can't testify because you don't have all the doctrine right. 
No, all you need to say is, Jesus changed my life. Remember, one of the young men in the Bible said, once I was blind, but now I see. That's it. That's why people come to Jesus. Well, as this happens, notice that Jesus has just gone through another barrier. He's just gone through another barrier. Here's those hurting people again, and we have to be very careful that we're not into any of that stuff today. Sin or sin, we want to go to them. Well, look at verse 31. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and here's, here's the answer. And they praised the God of who? Of Israel. Notice what Jesus did. He did what he was trying to do. He was trying to get what the Jewish nation was supposed to do was get the pagans to go, there's a God of Israel that's good. They praised the God of Israel. Exactly what the Jewish nation had failed to do. Jesus was fulfilling. Well, look at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. In other words, let's say you're the people. You've been here for three days. He's been healing and ministering and teaching. He says, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse. So watch this. He looks at his disciples. Watch me. And he says to them, you know, just pretend I'm one of the disciples. Jesus says to me, look at the people. Man, they're, they're hungry. They need food. And what do you think the disciples respond? How do you think they respond? Take a look at the They say, where, where could we, we, get this kind of food? Where could we get this kind of food? The problem is they said, we. And then notice what Jesus says. He says, well, what do you have? Take a look. Take a look at the next verse. He says, disciples, where could we get enough bread to, in this place to feed such a crowd? And Jesus said to him, well, how many loaves do you have? Seven and a few small fish. Now watch me. I'm a disciple. I'm in front of a crowd that need to be fed. Massive. And I have fish and bread in my hand. Do, 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 Have the disciples ever been here before? Oh. For those of you who don't know, just a few weeks before, there was a crowd not of 4,000, but 5,000. And Jesus said to that day, he said, feed them. And they went, we? We can't feed them. He said, what do you have? Five loaves, two fishes. And he multiplied it and fed them, and there was 12 baskets full left over. Here we are a few weeks later. How are the disciples doing with their faith test? Okay. Uh, I often wondered in this, did all the disciples say it together? We? Or did a couple of them say, don't say anything. You can't say that to him. Evidently, they're all stupid. They just stand there with fish and bread in their hand and go, we can't do it. No kidding. But you got everything you need. Haven't you learned a thing? Wait a minute. Where have they just been? They just been to Tyre and Sidon. And they saw Jesus miraculously heal a demon-possessed daughter. They just saw masses of these same people who couldn't speak, walk, talk, Speaking, walking, talking. And then Jesus says, take care of them. Oh, we can't do it. No kidding. Anytime you remove God from your formula, it's failure. What he's trying to say is, 
guys, you have history. You've been there before. Don't you have faith in me? Take a look at what you have. I'll do it for you. Is God in your formula? I mean, look at the history you have with him. Over and over and over again, God's ministered to you and he's ministered to me. In my current problem, is God part of the solution? Or am I still looking to me to solve it? I find in my own life very often I'm just looking to me. You see, we're to keep on asking and seeking and knocking, but some of us have just given up. You go. You have history with God. God has ministered to you. He's delivered you. He's always come through for you. Always. But we don't have God in the formula. If you have a physical need or a financial need or a relationship need or a marriage need or a child need, whatever your need is, go there, wait, and let them pray with you. And then believe. You see, and mix your faith with the proof of God. The word of God. He's been faithful to you. I don't know. Jesus later, he says to his disciples, how come you didn't get it? And that's a challenge to me. Now, as you look at this passage, some of us think, well, watch what he does. He told the crowd to sit on the ground, and then he took up the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they turned to the people, and they all ate And we're satisfied. And after the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, and the number of those who ate was 4,000 beside women and children. Jesus, after Jesus had sent the crowd away, got in the boat and went to the vicinity of Megadon. You know, there's a lot of people that look at that and say, well, that's, why did Matthew just repeat the same crazy story again? That's just the same story. No, it's not the same miracle. The numbers are different. Remember, the first was 5,000. This is 4,000 plus. Do you remember also, it was done, the first miracle of producing bread and food for the people was done for the Jews. This is done for the Gentiles. This is on a different side of the lake. It was done a different time of the year. There was grass before in the spring. Now it's the hot part of the summer. The baskets were very different. The amount left over was seven versus 12. The baskets in the first miracle were a small little basket that the Jews used for their kosher food. This basket in the Greek was a basket about this big that actually Paul got into when he escaped over the wall. You see, it was a different group of people with a similar need and the same God. Every need's different, but God is the same God. When those people ate, notice what it said, they all ate and were satisfied. If you don't know Jesus Christ... It's impossible for you to be satisfied. You will continue searching in every road, wealth, education, sex, fame, stuff. Every road you go down will be a dead end. Everyone. You will never find satisfaction without a relationship with Jesus Christ. As Christians, we've all seen God at work and should have plenty of inspiration for turning to God in the midst of life struggles. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark used the man out of whom Jesus had cast a legion of demons to show the power of a testimony. We all have a testimony with God. Are you leaning on that testimony of God's work in your life, or are you trusting in yourself to solve life's problems? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. What are the signs of Jesus coming? Are we living in the end times? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches on the signs which Jesus gave regarding the end of the world and His coming. The end times will be characterized by spiritual deception, social and political upheaval, and natural calamities, among other things. He'll teach us that prophecy is just history written in advance. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.